Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. This is the Cowboys Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Cowboys Wire editor, K.D. Drummond. Let's say your last name was Jones and not Sims, and you're in that family. What are you doing here? Well, I mean, there's no way I'm letting you hit the free agent market. I'm not. Now, long-term deal, I'm not I'm not going to just throw out something right off the bat here. Right off. play the other side. Yeah. Why not? Well, you know, two things. It's pretty serious injury, all right? I know what he is, okay? But, but what we don't really know is what Dak Prescott's commanding and asking for. Mm-hmm. You know, and from everything we hear, it's he wants to be paid, like, Deshaun Watson. Which is how much a year? Like, basically, you know, 40, 39 and change. Mm. And... I'll always say this. Dak Prescott, when healthy, is a top 10 quarterback. He is mm-hmm. not a top five quarterback. Right. And I think Jerry Jones kind of made that clear last year a few times. You know, when they lost that Seattle Seahawks game early in the year, he kind of made some cryptic talk messages. And, and Pete will probably remember where he talked about, I'd like one of those quarterbacks who can make things happen and run around. Dak's mm-hmm. not one of those. Mm-hmm. So I think that shows you where they view him. Well, there he is, former NFL quarterback Chris Sims giving his uh, kind of a scorching hot take on Dak Prescott and his contract situation. And it's it's just a topic that it seems like everyone on the planet has been talking about for the last three plus years, Katie. But first off, we're going to get to that. But uh, I'm just I'm stoked to be back recording podcasts with you, my man. There's never a dull moment with this franchise, obviously. How's life been treating you? Oh, man, life is good. And I'm glad to be back on the air with you, Ryan. It's a pleasure as always. Uh, and yeah, we're talking about the same thing that we were talking about a couple months ago. <laughs> Nothing has changed. No, no, this thing never changes. And I got to ask you, do you agree with Chris Sims that Dak should not be asking for quote unquote top five quarterback money and that Jerry Jones isn't as in love with this player as he would be, say, uh, Russell Wilson, who's more dangerous outside the pocket? <laughs> so what the hell is he talking about? Well, when that happened, and this is the first time that I'm hearing that Chris, Chris Sims clip. And when that happened back in uh, the early part of the season, I do recall the the fervor that was around that conversation. And it was about people basically not understanding Jerry talk and the way that he parses his words, which leads to uh, misinterpretation so often. Yeah. But he was basically saying that uh, Dak Prescott was that type of, a type of quarterback like Russell Wilson that runs around in the pocket and can make those plays for you. He wasn't saying Dak isn't one of those guys, but the way that he phrased it made it easy to misinterpret and to kind of shift the narrative around what he was really trying to say. He was saying that Dak Prescott was one of those guys. He would rather have a quarterback that's able to run around and make those big plays, and Dak gives you the ability to do that. It wasn't a slight about Dak Prescott, even though it was coming in a game where the Cowboys did not win. But overall, um, you know, Chris Sims is kind of there. I think 
I agree that he's a top 10 quarterback. I do not necessarily agree that he's not top five. I think that he's definitely in that range of between quarterbacks four through seven. So basically you can say he's top five because it's all about the flavor that you prefer that day. Uh, so I think that when it comes to that portion of things, he's inaccurate. But more to the point, it doesn't matter whether you're top five or top ten. When you're up for a new contract as a quarterback, you're going to get top-of-the-market money. That's just simply how it goes. Now, the question is, with what Patrick Mahomes got, blowing basically every other contract out of the water, whether or not that sets a precedent for where you negotiate with Dak Prescott. I think comparing him to Deshaun Watson is fair when it comes to statistics, when it comes to how they've been able to lead their teams. I think there are very comparable players in that regard. I think they're both in that same range of the second tier of quarterbacks behind Patrick Mahomes, behind uh, Tom Brady, who just is going to play until he's 80 years old, and <laughs> behind Aaron Rodgers. I think you put Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, uh, all those guys in a bit of a bowl and mix them up. And on any given day, one of them is better than the other. But I think they're in that same group. So all of those guys are going to command this type of top dollar uh, amount. And I think that when you have a contract that's up based on everything that Dak has done, based on the situation that he's in right now, being out of contract, being on a franchise tag, there's no reason to think that he deserves anything less than what Deshaun Watson makes, which means that he's going to start at least at $40 million a year. Uh, a recent report that we heard from Jane Slater, and she parsed it as saying this is a report from a team source, that Dak Prescott is asking for just under Patrick Mahomes' money. So it's very clearly a negotiating tactic. The Cowboys are saying that you're maybe not worth Deshaun Watson money, and, Deshaun, and Dak Prescott's uh, representative, Tom Francis, is saying, well, we want Patrick Mahomes' money. So that's $40 million, and that's $45 million. So they want to meet somewhere in the middle. So that's actually where I think this is all going to end up, somewhere around $42, $42.5 million a year. And based on him being so underpaid up through last season, I think it's well-deserved. And not that we have to kind of rehash where this situation is, because I'm sure Cowboys fans have been uh, banging their heads against the wall uh, reading this, because every time you turn on one of the, the major sports networks, there's the text scrolling across the bottom of the screen, KD, saying the two sides are not close to a deal. The two sides are not close to the deal. Now, recently, we've got a report that talks have at least gotten, quote, a little bit better, right? So I guess we can hang our hats on that. But it still does not feel like any type of deal is going to be agreed upon by this March 9th deadline, which is when the franchise tag has to be placed. So it really feels like and correct me if I'm wrong, but it really feels like Cowboys will be tagging Dak once again for that $37.7 million with hopes that they can then extend him before the July 15th date, right? Is that pretty much where we're at? Yep, that's exactly where we're at. Uh, and it puts the Cowboys in a bit of a bind. Again, March 9th is the deadline for the franchise tag. That is going to happen. If they come up with a deal in the next six days, it will be a miracle. I don't think anybody should pin their hopes on that happening. Right. Uh, and then the dance really starts to happen because between March 9th and March 17th, which is going to be the start of the new league year, we're going to find out the definite amount of the 2021 salary cap. And in addition to that, once you put the franchise tag on Dak Prescott, that money then has to be taken care of or has to be accounted for, I should say, in the team's salary cap. And $37.7 million will put them over the cap. So if they franchise tag Dak and then by the March 17th they don't have a long-term deal, they're going to have to start either releasing or restructuring some other guys. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a cascading domino effect. 
that's really the window of opportunity that the Cowboys have to jump on to make this deal happen between March 9th, which is the deadline to uh, to tag him, and then March 17th, which is when they have to be in compliance with the salary cap for the 2021 uh, league year. So that's really that eight-day window starting next week is really when we could, should probably expect to see some level of movement with the Cowboys as far as the uh, Prescott contract. Do you have any insight on where the holdup is still? Is it dollars? Is is it still the length of contract? I know, uh, at least back in the day, it was the length. I know it had something to do with when these new television deals are coming out. Players want to yep. structure their contracts strategically. So when these new television contracts kick in and the salary cap goes up and they can get paid more, they want to cash in on that. And I think that's one thing that Dak's been trying to negotiate. It seems like Jerry is trying to negotiate that thing on his side a little bit. So is that still the sticking point, KD? Why are they still so far apart? Like, why have they not been getting closer? Well, I I think a lot of fans are coming around to uh, the idea of how everything works. They're not uh, mutually exclusive. It's not money or years. It's money and years. Because as you said, and as we discussed at length uh, back during the season, the issue is that Dak Prescott does not want to be under contract under the current parameters of the salary cap into the next television deal where the salary cap is going to explode. And we've already right. seen over the last couple of months that come to fruition. We've seen the reports. The NFL was looking to negotiate basically two times every contract that they had across the board was one of the reports. It's crazy. They were talking about like three, yeah, $3.6 billion just for the Disney package, just for the uh, ESPN Monday night at a rotation of the Super Bowl. You know, so these, these are outlandish numbers that people really can't gra- uh, wrap their head around unless you're in the business. And Todd France is most certainly in the business. You know, a lot of people have an issue with Todd France as an agent. He's kind of like getting the Scott Boris reputation if you follow baseball mm-hmm. um, as far as being that hard negotiator that teams don't really like. But his clients love because he's going to get every ounce of dollar that's available to them. But I think the issue is that Dak Prescott wants a short deal unless you're going to offer him the amount of money that makes sense based on where the salary cap is projected to go. And I wrote an article earlier in, in the uh, in the season, in the 2020 season, about fans should expect to see the same level of ballooning of NFL salaries that we saw in the NBA over the last half decade. And we see some outrageous salaries in the NBA for players that most common fans have never even heard of yep. are making 18, 20, $25 million a year. Mm-hmm. Stars are making 40, $45 million a year. This is what we're going to see. The The norm is going to be quarterback salaries. By the time you get to 2024, 2025, quarterbacks are going to be making 50, 55, 60 million dollars a year. So that doesn't want to tie himself into having a deal, which last year the offer was $35 million a year, but they wanted five years. Well, that's three years into the next television contract. So he would probably be like the 20th highest paid quarterback at that point and be dwarfed by other people who don't compare to him statistically. So for him, it's if you're not going to give me a deal, basically like what Patrick Mahomes did, where you have all of this big money signed into the tail end of the contract, then give me the short deal so I can get back out there on the market as soon as possible in order to make that much money because that's definitely where it's going. And it would be stupid of me to sign a deal that doesn't account for that uh, definite growth that we're about to see. 
And then on top of that, when you look around the quarterback market now, over the last several years, quarterbacks aren't signing contracts for longer than four seasons. So for the Cowboys to come in there and try to get him to sign for five or six seasons and lock himself in at that point doesn't make much sense just on the market as it's been over the last couple of years, not even withstanding how things are going to balloon once the new TV contracts come. So there's obvious wiggle room on both sides, but I think that's going to be the biggest level of contention. The Cowboys uh, want to have a long-term deal so that they can spread out the cap hit, and Dak Prescott wants to get back on the market as soon as possible. And if he's going to sign that long-term deal, it has to account for where things are going to go in the near future. That's, that's really well put. It makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Katie. I needed that. I, sometimes I need things explained to me. And uh, that, that, that I'm here per- for you. That, that makes, yes, you are. That <laughs> per- makes perfect sense. So we'll see. I'm sure next week when we're back on here, we'll be like, all right, we'll find out the Cowboys have tagged Dak Prescott, and, and that's where we'll be at. So we'll have to see how that plays out but of course Cowboys fans are hoping Dak comes back to uh you know help the offense remain elite on the defensive side man we're just hoping that the Cowboys can play some ball a little bit at least be representative on that side of the football right and since since we talked last the Cowboys have replaced Mike Nolan we now know it's Dan Quinn he is now in as the defensive coordinator I can't wait to get KD's take on that we'll do it coming up next just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so the newest defensive coordinator of the Cowboys is Dan Quinn, right, KD? And I got to imagine he's going to bring back that version of Pete Carroll's 4-3, cover three defense. Not that I can really dig into the X's and O's, but I know you could. Uh, But we go from Mike Nolan, who kind of pushed all the wrong buttons with this group, to a guy in Dan Quinn who has had some success with elite defenses. I don't know if his defenses with Atlanta were all that great. You know, he had a couple decent seasons, but they certainly weren't as dominant as his Seattle teams were. But now he's being tasked with coming over to Dallas and really rebuilding this unit and kind of trying to make it representative again. Like I said, what do you think about this hire? I know you wrote about the pros and cons, and I think the, I think that's a good way to put it. I think there are, you know, there are a couple different ways to look at it, and not all of them are great. But what do you think about Quinn? Yeah, I think that when you have hirings, uh, clearly, obviously, with anything, life it can go one of multiple ways. But when you're hiring a coach that has a history as strong as Dan Quinn does, if you're the optimist type of person, you're going to be very hopeful. He did lead the number one defense for two consecutive years when their team went to the Super Bowl, won a Super Bowl, went back to back, almost won a second Super Bowl with him at the helm of the best defense in the league. Then you also, if you're the pessimist, you say, well, they were the number one defense before he got there. They were the number one defense after Dan Quinn left. Mm -hmm. So was it really Dan Quinn that made a difference for the Seattle uh, Seahawks defense? I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think that he is capable of clearly, if you have the right type of talent, he is a perfect coach that can get you where you need to go and motivate those players on an everyday basis in order to get them to perform at their best when they're on the field. Is that what the Cowboys have right now? That's kind of the bigger question because the Cowboys may not have the necessary talent to have anything closely remote to what he was able to do in Seattle. 
Do they have pieces? Certainly. We all love Demarcus Lawrence. We know what he is, whether it's stacks or whether it's uh, pressures and stopping the run. He is an outstanding player on the edge. Do they have much more than that on the defensive line? Question mark. We believe Randy Gregory is a good end opposite him, and he should be able to come through. Questionable what they have in the middle of the defense. So there's an issue. Are the linebackers going to be able to improve now that Mike Nolan is out of there and his crazy scheme, his hyper scheme that kind of had responsibilities shifting and then the injuries and everything kind of just avalanche downhill when it came to the linebacker play? Are they able to improve there? What are you going to have in the secondary? We know Trevon Diggs can create turnovers. We know Donovan Wilson can create turnovers. Is there more to that group than this in addition to the fact that they're going to be losing multiple players from free agency, basically three of their top five secondary players are now free agents, and most likely at least two of them, if not all three, are going to end up on another team in 2021. So what do they have there for him to work with is a big question. Now about what he did in, in Atlanta, you kind of give him a mulligan because being a head coach that's a defensive coordinator in his past is not the same thing as being in charge of the defense. He had a defense coordinator for that. He didn't call plays for the most part. That was job was given to other people. Raheem Morris uh, had a job for a lot of the time. But he was not fully in charge of the defense, and the walk-around job of a head coach does not allow you to focus on one particular unit to that level because obviously you would be uh, mishandling your duties of overseeing the entire team. So I don't necessarily put everything uh, that failed in Atlanta's defense on Dan Quinn, but it's certainly part of the narrative of what he's bringing to the table, especially because he's bringing over one of his coaches to now be in charge of the secondary and Joe Witt, uh, who's known as a great teacher of technique, but whether or not he should be the secondary passing game coordinator is something that will have to be up open for debate and left to see what the result is. But the fact is that's who the Cowboys have right now. And they're hoping just getting away from what Mike Nolan completely screwed up. Jim Tom Sula on the defensive line, refusing to play Randy Gregory, all of those sorts of things. The Cowboys front office just was not happy with the performance of the defensive coaching staff. So they made a lot of changes, not wholesale changes, but a lot of changes to the uh, key personnel on the staff side. So we'll just have to see, see how all of this plays out for the Cowboys defense. If they can get anywhere from being 30, 31st, 32nd in the league and move up to the 20, hopefully maybe even up to 15 or 16, as far as certain defensive rankings are concerned, the offense with, with a fully healthy Dak Prescott and offensive line should be good enough to get the team back to the playoffs and be in competition for an NFC championship. All right, now let me play the role of irrational fan for a minute, and that's not going to surprise you at all. You're, you're always the more practical of the two. <laughs> I come in as the irrational fan, but for me, I have to, and you're not going to be surprised I'm going here. I'm, I worry that Dan Quinn is a broken man, Katie. I think he's broken ever since 28 to 3. <laughs> and you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going there. I'm a Patriots guy. You know, I'm going yeah. there. His Falcons led yeah. 28 to 3 in the third quarter of a Super Bowl. He was about to win the Super Bowl. It was almost impossible for him to lose that game, and he did. And we know ever since then, as the head coach of the Falcons, his team became choking dogs, right? And the Cowboys benefited from that last season. And I, maybe he benefits from the change of scenery. Maybe he gets a fresh start. I think he needed it. But, man, I, I, I can't help but – I even put this in my notes. I can't help but think of uh, Austin Powers when Dr. Evil steals the mojo, right? <laughs> Austin Powers has to get his mojo back. Dan yeah. Quinn needs his mojo back. I really worry that he's a broken man, and I wonder – Oh, man, is, is he ever going to find it once again? So uh, maybe that's the irrational fan of me, but I, I got to go there. So then the question is, Mr. Irrational Fan, <laughs> how would somebody go about getting their mojo back? Would going to a job in Dallas where 
you're going to one of the worst defenses in the entire universe. This is why I'm scared. Historically bad. <laughs> yeah, because the pressure's on isn't this kind of Well, isn't this kind of the perfect opportunity to reclaim your mojo? If you, you don't have the responsibility of the entire team, he's not going to another situation where he's in charge of the entire thing. Because remember, 28-3 to 3 doesn't happen if the offense gets first downs. And Kyle Shanahan has certainly resurrected his career off of that failure. True. You know, as being the offensive coordinator of Atlanta when all of that transpired. He went on to be the head coach of San Francisco, and he's still regarded as one of the best minds in all of football. So he was able to bounce back from that, getting to a new environment once he left out of Atlanta. But, yeah, I think it's, it's a fair point that you do have those concerns of whether or not when the pressure's on in a key situation, will he revert, will his, his defense act like they have in Atlanta with the watermelon kick and several other – that's basically why he ended up getting fired was because Atlanta couldn't hold lead in multiple games earlier in the year. So that's a very fair point. But, again, he wasn't in charge of the defense in those situations. And, sure, there might have been certain games. I don't follow the Falcons, so I'm not sure how often he, you know, took over and said, okay, well, I'm going to call the plays down the stretch of the game or any of that. I'm not privy to that information unless I go back and I watch everything in every single Atlanta Falcons tape, and I'm not a masochist. I'm not going to do that to myself. <laughs> uh, Please don't. But, oh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I I would never do that. I, I love my life. I love my eyes. I, love your, I do not want to do that to I myself. love your positive energy. I don't. I don't want that for you. <laughs> so again, I, I, again, I think you have you've made a good good point. If he's broken, what does that mean for the Cowboys? And all I can say is, it could not be anything worse than what Mike Nolan did. So at least, right. at least there's a floor. <laughs> it just means they'll be paying two former defensive coordinators for the next couple of years. Uh, no, I there mean, you go. I mean, I get what you're saying. Yes, he, this is his chance to to reclaim the mojo. So yeah, that this could happen if he could turn around this defense. Yes, he'll have it back and, and he'll be back in the league or he could just get punted into the uh, ether. Right. We'll never hear from <laughs> we'll never hear from him again if he fails here, I think. So so that's that's kind of interesting. You know, we'll have to you, see. You know, the, you, you bring up you bring up a very good point, because honestly, if the Cowboys don't turn it around, you're probably looking at the at, at Jerry Jones, wondering whether or not he's going to go ahead and fire Mike McCarthy. Yeah, so that would true. mean the Dan Quinn could possibly be out in that scenario as well. So it, it's very interesting to see. Well, that leads me to my next little point. And you wrote about this. And I love this the way you put this. You put it as another kind of tried and true hire by Jerry Jones, right? Just like Mike McCarthy, it's it's another one of these guys that have been around, been there, done that. So for the defense, he went with the tried and true hire rather than the Kellen Moore type, right, which we've seen excel on the offensive side of the football. I wanted to get your take on what you thought about him bringing in another kind of old guy and, and not, I don't know how you put it, you put it like not in a fresh face or something, like fresh blood, I think you put. Um, <laughs> he went with an older hire. And you know me, I, I don't like these old guys. I'd rather go with the young studs, you know, and I like the Kellen Moore thing, I think, more than I like the Dan Quinn thing. What do you think? Yeah, I, I tend to lean towards getting a fresh face in there. Um, I, I, I'm not as opposed to, you know, I'm not ageist or anything like that. I, I still think that, uh, you know, people with experience have something that they can bring to the table. Uh, but yeah, I love to see new ideas work when it comes to these sort of scenarios. Same. Um, and, and sometimes it can be extra motivating for the players in the locker room to have somebody that's closer to their age and that they can, um, you know, mingle with and have conversations above and beyond football, uh, have something that they're familiar with, uh, have somebody that's familiar with the things that they love to do. That, I think, goes a long way. Somebody that's directly or at least in close proximity between five to seven years with their playing age, that sort of thing. I think that can go a long way. But that doesn't mean that quality older coaches can't 
get the job done. I mean, we were seeing what's going on with Kansas City. Um, Bruce Arians just won his Super Bowl. Uh, so, you know, guys that have been around the league for a long time, they are definitely uh, able to help um, in, a, in a specific situation. So I, I, I won't put the kibosh on this immediately just because he's not a fresh face and an up-and-comer. We'll just have to see how it plays out, and then we can, you know, hindsight twenty twenty all of it. Yeah, and that, that's that's what we do best. Hindsight twenty twenty. That's why I love our jobs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's why I like our jobs. Yeah, it better work. It better work, Jerry. Dan Quinn better pan out. We need a better defense this year. Come on. So, uh, so we're, hey, yeah, there it is. There it is. We we just spend you know over twenty minutes on the podcast talking about Dak Prescott and Dan Quinn. That's all it takes with this Cowboys team, man. We can just keep talking about this for That's hours it. and hours and hours, and we will as we go on. And and one thing we didn't get to is you recently posted a story about you kind of previewed the roster and how there's sixty one players under contract. The offseason roster limit is ninety, and so I got out my calculator. About thirty percent of the roster right now is offensive linemen, Katie, and I think only like three yep. or four of them are any good so so this is like that's <laughs> so maybe we can get into that next week but uh hey man it's good to, it's good to hear you breaking down stuff again I, I i always enjoy our chats so it's good to have you back good to be back doing this thing i appreciate it man it's good to be on this side of the chair every once in a while so yeah <laughs> let's let's do it again next week this usa today sports podcast has been presented by usa today's sports media group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.